Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Good morning. I hope all of you are doing well. Uh, it's another week. I hope you had a great week and the Holy Spirit ministering to you. I'm excited to close out today's sermon series that we've started two weeks ago as we talked about origins and just the beginnings of how our church got started some of our values, the vision, mission. And the reason why we started this was because we're looking ahead to this new season that's coming up really quickly. And we wanna make sure that all of us are on the same page as we try to move together and move forward together. And this is the reason why we're covering this. And also for um, the last year or so, we've seen a lot of new people joining our church and especially those of you who are joining online, we're so grateful that you could be a part of our church. And so we wanted to kind of put this in motion and to reiterate a lot of the things that the Holy Spirit has been doing in our church, in our lives. And as we do, it will cast a vision for what is to come. And so I'm thrilled to be able to share this last part with you. And then we're going to be starting a whole new series and starting off the whole new season of ministry. So if you have your Bibles, will you turn to Acts chapter 1? Acts chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 8. And as many of you know, this is a very famous or popular verse that many of you might might have even memorized. And one of the things that we're going to be talking about today is this idea of everywhere. Uh, If you remember in part one, when we started this whole series, we talked about uh, everyone and this idea that the gospel can transform anyone in this world. And I'm a living testimony of that. Many of you who are watching and who are part of our community, you're, you understand that the gospel can change anybody. It doesn't matter what background you have, what you experience in your life, it can change anyone. That's why we have this responsibility to share it and proclaim it to every single person and everyone around us. And then in part two, we then talked about the importance of every single day that this gospel message is not just on Sunday, and this is the reason why we emphasize not only community, but we emphasize about living out your faith every single day, whether it's at your home or work, or just in the city, wherever you go, that it's about living it out every single day. And then we talked about the importance of how God gives us these everyday opportunities. It's not that it's not there, it's just that we're not sensitive, our eyes are not open to see these everyday opportunities opportunities that God gives us. And these everyday opportunities are just opportunities for God and for us as we live out this gospel message to make God visible to those people who do not know him yet. And this is what drives us. This is what motivates us to do the things that we do as a church. And today, as we close out, I want to talk about everywhere and why this is important to the foundation of HMCC and especially here in HMCC of Hong Kong. When I think about my calling as a pastor, you know, one of the things that I'm really, uh, as I think about that I'm really thankful for is that um, I'm able to really uh, see lives being transformed. And I think this is the thing that really excites me to be able to see God doing some amazing things in people's lives. And The thing that I get to do is I get to actually baptize people uh, in the baptistry, whether it's it's a church that we rent out or maybe out in the ocean. And that's one of the beautiful things that we're able to do. 
And the problem is that I don't know every single person uh, very well. And so there are times when, um, when I'm baptizing people, I don't really know their stories. That's why I love the fact when we're able to hear their testimonies. And when I sit there and listen to their testimony, that's probably the favorite part of the whole baptism, just being able to hear the things that God is doing. And then I listen and I hear about how many people in uh, our life group ministry, which is our small group ministry, their lives have been touched because of community, because of uh, the love that was shared amongst people, the things that they were learning, the way they were able to use their passion and gifts to serve one another and to experience God in a powerful way. And you hear that. And almost 100%, every single person who's getting baptized as they give their testimony, that's what they share. They share about how God has been doing some great things in their life group. And so that's when I, after hearing the stories, as it blesses me, I'm able to then baptize them right there at that moment. And it's just a powerful experience and something that I really cherish. And I just wanted to show you some pictures back in the day. This was our first baptism that we had. Uh, here are some people that you'll notice. Uh, they're just waiting to get baptized. I think we had about four or five people that we were baptizing that first baptism. And it was around um, Easter of that first year of our church that was planted. And when we were uh, baptizing these brothers, uh, it was a powerful testament just to hear what God did in their lives. Some of them just... God's released them from addictions. God was doing some uh, work in their hearts and work in their lives. And so it was a great testimony. And so we'll see here uh, one of the people who are getting baptized. And, and we, we will notice that uh, this was one of the first guys that we actually baptized back in 1997. And it's a great reminder once again of life transformation and what happens when we're able to uh, come before God and just sharing our faith and really this gospel message. And we're seeing lives being transformed in that way. But one of the things that began to happen was that after some of these baptisms and as God was working, uh, we began to notice that there were a lot of international students who were coming to our church. As some of you know, that our church got started at the University of Michigan uh, in Ann Arbor. And because of that, we had a lot of students just coming from all over the world. And then as we were baptizing people uh, in the States, people who are from the States, we started seeing many people who are international students from all over the world. As they were coming to our church, many of them were coming to know Christ and they were getting baptized. Now, it, the exciting part about all this is that some of these brothers and sisters were actually coming from different religions. So some of them had a Buddhist background, some of them were from China, so they had an atheist background, uh, some of them had uh, a Hindu background, and so there were people from different religions that were actually coming to know Jesus Christ because they found the truth of the gospel, as Jesus say, I, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one could come to the Father except through me. We were seeing people actually putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And one of the things that began to happen from that point on, as we saw all these international students come to know the Lord, uh, during one of my missions trips, I went out and I, I just got this revelation from God. And the revelation was this, as I was thinking about many of these international students who were coming to know Jesus. And then as I went to some of these countries around the world, 
as I was doing some of the missions projects, one of the thoughts that came to my mind was this. As I did some research, I realized that many of the prime ministers and the presidents of nations, uh, almost 100% of them, almost all of them, studied abroad. So they studied the United States, uh, they studied in uh, the UK, and some of these top prestigious universities. And so as I began to do the research, a thought that came to my mind was this. What would, it, what would happen if one of these international students came to our church, came to know Jesus Christ, and they were going to be the next prime ministers and the presidents of nations? And then they got discipled, trained up, equipped to have a heart for the kingdom, what it means to engage the society and the different issues. And as I was thinking about that, I really got excited because I realized the potential for impact was great. That we can actually impact people's lives through the gospel message. And from that, they will ripple out into other places and other nations around the world. And so it was in that moment that uh, Pastor Andrew from HMCC of Jakarta, uh, he was just an associate pastor in Ann Arbor. And so what we began to do as we began to talk through and pray through with the staff, we just said, what would it be like if we actually started a ministry for international students? Uh, many of them, English is their second language. And because English is their second language, we felt that it would be better if we had a life group uh, ministry just geared towards these international students. They'll feel more at home. There's a greater connection because they're the outsiders, if you will, and coming into the United States. So we started about 2001, uh, 2002, around that time, and we started this thing called Global Access. So here's our first, uh, one of the first Global Access, as Pastor Andrew led it within the first couple of years. Uh, Pastor Andrew and then Jackson, Rachel, uh, they were helping out with this. And it was amazing because we started seeing people from Malaysia, Singapore. Uh, there were people from uh, Indonesia and people from India. China started coming out to global access. And then several years later, we began to see the group grow. And you will see here in this picture as it started multiplying because they started sharing with some of their friends. As you know, it's a close-knit group when you're from a particular country or nation. So if you look at that picture there, you'll notice that it just began to grow as people from all these different countries started gathering together. Now, the exciting thing about all this is that as they came to University of Michigan, uh, they came to know Jesus Christ, they were getting baptized, they were getting discipled. Many of them were serving in our ministry teams. And then as they graduated, they began to go back to their home country. And as they were going back, we were trying to equip them as best as we can and try to help them to find a church. And it was amazing because within that first year or so, many of them would contact me and we'll be in contact uh, just through email. And there were times when I would go on a missions project and I'll try to visit some of these uh, alumni from our church. And as I was talking with them, many of them were just sharing how hard it was to actually be a part of our church and then go back to their home country and to find a church. Uh, and I was just baffled by this because it wasn't a language problem because that was their first language. But I think because what they experienced in our church context was such an impactful time for them that they realized that they believed in the mission. They believed in the vision that God has given to our church. 
So there were rumblings, if you will, and just talks about the possibility of actually starting an international church. And then these brothers and sisters will be a bridge to the people of that country as some of us will go and help start this church. So there were just talks about that. And then during one of my trips, uh, along with Christina, as we were in Southeast Asia, uh, we were in Malaysia for a conference together, and then we decided to stop by Indonesia. And it was at that point that we just felt the Holy Spirit speaking to us to start our first international church in Indonesia. And that's how it all began, just our whole church planning movement. And little do we know, just from starting the international ministry, and we had no clue, no idea about church planning. That wasn't even in our minds, but God knew. And when we started it in faith, it was a seed that God planted in our hearts that he began to grow and germinate within our hearts. And that's how we were able to start our international ministry. Now, a couple of things that I wanted to share uh, as I think about some of the stories about the uh, global access and the different ministries. Uh, one of the things that we began to pray about during that time as God was just blessing our church. He was growing our church. Uh, we're kind of doing similar things here where we're trying to find a location. And after we found a place, it was too small. So we found another place. I would always joke around that our goal in our church was to make sure that we meet in every single auditorium uh, in the University of Michigan. And so that's why as we were just kind of praying about it, God gave us an opportunity to actually purchase a building. And this was probably one of our biggest step of faith. And some of you probably know the story, I'll share it sometime in the future again, but it was really a step of faith. And one of the things that I made very clear to our leaders and just sharing it with people who were helping out with renovation is one of the first things that we wanna be able to put up in our church were the flags of all the nations that were represented in our church. What I mean by that is this, that I wanted to see the flags from the countries that our members were from. So whether they're students there, uh, we had their flag up if they're part of that country or that nation. We also had flags that represented the countries and the nations that we were actually doing ministry in because we wanted to pray. And this was, this was kind of like a vision that I saw and the vision was that as we're in this sanctuary and worshiping God, that every single time we're lifting up our hands, and if you're not self-conscious and you do lift up your hands, as we're lifting up our hands in worship, our hands will be reaching out to these flags and declaring the greatness and the goodness and the grace of God, that somehow God will open up these doors in these nations so that we may be able to share the gospel message. So when we were when we purchased the building, we had to do a lot of renovations. And so if you look at this picture, you'll see here, we're just putting uh, in the carpet. And we call this the transformation center or the T center for short. And if you look at this picture, one of the first things that went up, uh, even before the lights, you'll see the lights there, but even before the lights and or the stage and everything, we had the flags up. And it was something that was very important to us because we realized once again, our heart, is for the nation. So if you look at the next picture, um, you will notice that uh, just when the people were gathering together, you'll see the uh, flags there. But if you look all the way in the front towards the left, I don't know why that happened. Maybe it's just God is, he's sovereign and whatever. 
Um, don't worry, we have a China flag there too. So anyway, uh, there's a Hong Kong flag there. And this was uh, something that we, we had some Hong Kong people. So we put the flag up all the way in the... I don't know why, maybe... Some of the people who put up the flags were from Hong Kong. They were like, we're going to put this flag up first. But anyway, so we, we see the flag uh, up in the front. And we were just praying for nations. And we would be doing this quite often. And it was through this experience that God began to once again stir our hearts. And back in 2009, as we were praying and as we went and visited Indonesia, uh, God placed it in our hearts that uh, our family, along with eight other people, that we will actually go and plant our first international church. And this was our uh, commissioning uh, picture, if you look at it. And if you look at this picture, you'll, you'll notice that uh, they're praying for us. This was our last, I think, our last Sunday celebration. And they're praying for us and as we're ready to go. When I look at this picture, some of us look so young. And that was back in 2009 and then went all the way to 2010. And then as you guys know the story that we actually came back and God started stirring our hearts again. And we didn't think that we were going to go and plant another church where God was doing other things in other places. But back in 2005, we felt the call to go and plant a church in Hong Kong. So this was our commissioning service that we had, our our last Sunday there, and uh, Pastor Pete was commissioning our team. As you can tell, uh, it was our family and another family and about nine team members. And uh, as a Hong Kong church plant team, we were being commissioned out to go forth and plant this church. And then if you look at this next picture, this was the morning. I think it was like five in the morning. I couldn't believe. I, I just thought maybe 10 people will show up. Uh, but it, it was early in the morning for something, I believe. I think that's when we said we're going to gather together. And uh, we just saw all these people come out and pray for us because we knew that some of us, as they're committing two years for our family, it was going to be indefinite until God tells us otherwise. But it was it's just a powerful moment where we were able to gather together in the center and all these brothers and sisters that I've seen their lives over the years gathering together and keeping us in prayer. Now, that was five years ago. It's really hard to believe that this coming September, in about a uh, little less than a month, we're actually going to be celebrating our fifth year anniversary of HMCC Hong Kong. And as I think about this, it just kind of uh, reminds me that it really is the work of the Spirit that it's God who starts things. It's God who sustains things. And it's God who will finish his work. And so when we think about some of the challenges, especially during this COVID-19 situation, when we think about some of the different obstacles that we're facing, whether it's trying to find a place that is big enough to hold us and even just being able to do the things that we do, uh, sometimes we wonder to ourselves, God, how is this going to happen? And one of the things I'm praying about is that we can actually have a place where it will be mission center, where it will be the hub in which we do all things to send people out, to train people, to go and start micro churches and plant churches in different parts of the world. 
but we believe that God has called us here specifically in Hong Kong to participate in all this. And so when I look back into the history of our church, from some of our first gatherings that we had back in 1996, to some of the early baptisms that we had, uh, some of our first life groups that we had, some of the different experiences that we went through, our first retreat together, our first outreach, and even starting the international ministry, our first church plant in Indonesia. And all these things, we, we can't but to just stand in awe and realize it was the Spirit of God. And as we come to this fifth year anniversary and celebrating, we want to not only look back and to see all that God has done, but we also want to look ahead to the things that He has in store for us, especially with our mission and vision before us. And that's why I want to give us the one thing as we talk about today and close out this origin series about everywhere. And the one thing is simply this. It's to be surrendered, to go anywhere, so that the gospel can be taken everywhere. So let me say it again. Be surrendered to go anywhere, so that the gospel can be taken everywhere. What we're going to do at this time is, once again, we wanted to kind of make it somewhat interactive instead of just watching me talk the whole time. We want you to break up into smaller groups. And this Sunday, uh, hopefully many of your leaders have contacted you. We decided to do it according to our campuses because pretty soon we're going to be doing Operation Campus Reach, OCR. And we want you to start building some momentum as you're coming back together as we mixed everything during the summer, but now we're coming back to reach our, our campus. And also some of us who are in our life stages, whether it's the single adults in our focus ministry or our married couples who are watching, who are part of the covenant ministry. Uh, I want us to be able to take this time and to break up into breakout rooms and just talk about some of these questions. And once again, we don't have a lot of time. And so we have to kind of jump right into it and start sharing. So here's a question uh, for this huddle group. And the question is this, if you look at this, uh, you will notice, you'll notice a picture frame. And so the question I want you to talk about is very simple. Uh, in this picture frame, if you had to place a situation or a moment in your life where you experience God's compassion or burden, or maybe his love or just whatever you've experienced from God, what would that be? So kind of visualize it and put, what would you put into this picture frame? And then explain why it moved you so much, why it impacted you so much. So you might have to take at least maybe 10, 15, some seconds to think about it. But somebody just start off and just say, when I look at this picture frame, I see this picture of, and then just kind of describe it and explain why it moved you and impacted you so much. So let's go ahead. I'm going to give you seven minutes to go ahead and do that. So, and then we'll come back. Hopefully you had a good time sharing with one another. And whatever you put in that picture frame, uh, it's a reminder that God is working in every moment of our lives. And whether it's, in our perspective, good or bad, God will work out all things for our good and for His glory. Uh, I want to look at this passage and talk about two things. As we remember about being surrendered to go anywhere so the gospel then can be taken everywhere. Uh, the first point is simply this, that God will empower his mission, that God will empower his mission. 
I'm going to go ahead and read verse 1a, the first part of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to what it says. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Let's just pause here. Look at that first phrase. Now, we have to remember that after Jesus died and then he rose again from the dead on the third day, that he literally on this earth for 40 days, he was walking here. He was talking with the disciples. He was meeting up with other people right before his ascension, before he finally went up uh, to heaven. Uh, listen to what he talks of. Apostle Paul mentions about Jesus. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5 through 7. It says this in the New Living Translation. He was seen by Peter. This is Jesus now. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by the apostle. So what we notice is right away that as Jesus resurrect from the, uh, resurrected from the dead, he was seen by over 500 people. They were eyewitnesses of this resurrection. And then one time, it says a little bit earlier, if you look at chapter one, verse four in the book of Acts, it says this, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So the question is this. What is this gift that Jesus has said that my father has promised unto you? What is this gift? Well, you'll know in verse, uh, excuse me, in chapter 2 of the book of Acts, that that promised gift was the Holy Spirit. Now, if you look at the book of Luke, you will notice that Jesus actually in the same kind of scene that we see in Acts chapter 1, that he also mentions what this gift of the Holy Spirit and what it is supposed to entail. So let me go ahead and read to you Luke chapter 24, verse 49. And please read the highlighted yellow with me and with some of the people that you might be watching with. And it says this, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So once again, Jesus says to wait in the city, wait for the Holy Spirit, this gift, so that you will be empowered from on high. Let me read to you in other translations. And once again, read the highlighted yellow with me. It says this in the New Living Translation. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and what? Come on. Fills you with power from heaven. In the New King James Version, it says this. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And lastly, the message translation, it says this. What comes next is very important. I'm sending what my Father promised to you, so stay here in the city until he arrives, until you're equipped with power from on high. So you see this idea that this gift that God is giving to us is the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, now that we have, because the Holy Spirit has come upon, even in Pentecost and now here on this earth, that it is to equip, it is to endue and just work within us. It's supposed to wrap around us, this idea, uh, filling us with the power. 
And so the question is this, if this is the gift that God has given us and it's going to empower us, did the disciples fully understand it? Now, if you look at Acts chapter 1, verse 6, clearly you will notice that they were still assuming that Jesus will come in power, but it's an earthly power, a worldly power that will overthrow the Roman government. So what you need to understand is this, that this power that God is talking about is not an earthly power, but it's a power from on high. It's a supernatural power that comes from God and God alone and is a gift that is given to us. Now, it's interesting that this power, once again, is completely different from what they were thinking. But isn't this the same for us? I want you to think about your life. When we think about this word power, when we think about strength, when we think about ability or empowerment, so often when we think about this, we forget it's really spiritual power more than our own human power or strength. I think for many of us, we do things in our own strength. We do things in our own power. We do things in our own wisdom. And if, if anything good will ever come out of this COVID-19 situation, all I can say is we realize that number one, we're not in control. Number two, that it's exposing a lot of things in our hearts that is so easy to hide because we have so many things going on in our lives, but when everything shuts down or slows down, then the real us comes out. And that will then cause us to either turn to God or turn to ourselves. So it's a good equalizer or a good heart check for us. I think for some of us, uh, so those of you who maybe had a high GPA and you took pride in that, but you don't have a job. <laughs> uh, I think more than anything else, it, it, it will humble you. That all the things that you are aspiring for, it's not turning out the way you expect it to. Some of us who thought that we overcame some of our addictions, some of the things that we've struggled with in the past, and maybe spiritual pride has come in, or because we've done a lot of serving and all these things, but we realize that some of the old things are coming out and surfacing. So it shows us that we're not doing so great. I think for some of us, we might have thought that we are doing well spiritually because we go to a life group, because we're meeting up with people, we're doing all this. Some of you who are serving, you might even be a leader. But now without any of the structure and without any of these gatherings that you could do face-to-face, -face, you realize who you really are that outside of all the gatherings and outside of all the meetings and outside of all the servings, you don't really have a relationship with God. And I think for many of us, we struggle through with this. And instead of humbling ourselves and coming to a point where we realize that I'm not doing well spiritually, that I've depended so much on the things that it's been already easily given to me, the LCGs and just the Bible reading plan, the soap and all these things that we have. If it wasn't here, would you still love God? Would you still read the word? Will you still serve? So once again, if anything, this COVID-19 situation is showing us how much we have done things in our own power 
and our own strength. For some of us, we're realizing there are a lot of relational issues that were not addressed. Now that we're stuck with our roommates, we're stuck with our families, we're stuck with people around us, and we realize, man, there's a lot of stuff. This is why prayer is so important during this time. Also, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about when we talk about our vision and mission. More and more, I'm getting the sense that there is no way that we can do this in our own power or our own strength. And the reason why I say that is because when we think about Jesus telling the disciples to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit to come upon them, to empower them, to equip them, to strengthen them, to do the mission and the task that is before them. As I think about this, I don't understand how we as a church or us individually can do anything on this earth without his power or without his strength. That's why how much more when you think about the disciples waiting for this Holy Spirit and then for them to transform the world, how much more we need this power and the strength that comes through prayer. Listen to what Billy Graham said. Billy Graham said, prayer is uh, crucial in evangelism. Only God can change the heart of someone who is in rebellion against him. No matter how logical our arguments or how fervent our appeals, our words will accomplish nothing unless God's spirit prepares the way. I hope we realize this, that we can't change people. We cannot cause them or try to force them to do anything. It has to be the work of the Holy Spirit. When think about your life group, you think about the people you're spending time with, you think about some of your pre-Christian friends, your family members and co-workers and people around you. Some of you are trying so hard on your own strength and your power. And in fact, some of you are getting frustrated to the point where, you know what, it's useless. Some of you, even in your own personal life, when you think about the areas that you're struggling with and wrestling with, and you're wondering, why am I not changing? Because you're trying on your own strength and power. When was the last time you fervently prayed? You desperately prayed. Some of these things can only come out or be empowered by fasting and prayer. When was the last time you fasted? When was the last time you prayed? In that utter desperation, God, I cannot change that person. God, I cannot change myself. I need you. But you know what some of you do? Some of you get apathetic. Some of you get almost fatalistic. Well, it's not worth it. It's not, it's not gonna work. That's your lack of faith. That's your insecure pride that you need to repent of. To be able to say, God, I'm focused on myself. That's why I don't think I could change. It just shows that you don't have faith in a God that could transform, who split the Red Sea, who created all things from nothing. The God who delivered people from the lion's den, the God who rescued people from whales and other things throughout history. We see God raising people from the dead and healing those who are sick. To think about some of these things. Because you can't do it. I can't do it. But only God can do it. So turning to him, maybe this is what God is trying to teach you in this season. You cannot do it. It's not in my notes, but I feel very compelled to do this. Will you repeat after me? All right. 
I. Okay, some of you are just still looking at me, okay? I'm, I'm going to come really close, okay? Uh, is that okay? Come really close. Whoa, oh, is that too much? Okay. Now you can't see me because I'm not in the light, okay? Okay, listen very carefully. I want you to repeat after me. I cannot do it by myself. That's one of the first confessions. And then you turn to repentance and say, God, forgive me for trying to do it by myself. And then you receive the gospel message once again, a reminder that he forgives us, he loves us, he accepts us. And just say simply, God, I receive your power. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. And then recommit to this gospel message again. Again and again. It's interesting because all throughout the book of Acts, when God's people experience the filling of the Holy Spirit, this term, filling of the Holy Spirit, they were always faced with a new opportunity or some kind of opposition. Now, this is important. You do your own uh, research on this, but every single time in the book of Acts, you see the phrase filling, filled with the Holy Spirit or filling of the Holy Spirit. There's a new opportunity or some kind of opposition that they were going to face. Let me give you a couple of them. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, in the New Living Translation, listen to what it says. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So they were, they were speaking in tongues and different things. There were spiritual gifts that were happening here. Here's another verse, Acts chapter 4, verse 8. It says this, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, this is when he was facing uh, uh, some of the persecution and was speaking in front of the Sanhedrin, and he was speaking boldly, a new opportunity. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, in the message translation, listen to what it says. While they were praying, the place where they were meeting trembled and shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak God's word with fearless confidence. So even in the midst of persecution and difficulties, as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to proclaim the gospel message with fearless confidence. This is what happens when you are empowered to do his mission. Not on your own strength, not in your own power, but what God does. I want you to think about this coming year, this new season. Think about some of the new life groups you will be a part of. Think about some of the opportunities at work. Maybe some of you, the opportunities at school. There's going to be different opposition, different challenges. And unless we pray and we are filled with the Holy Spirit and then God empowers us, we're not going to be able to do his mission. This is why so many of you get up Monday morning and you can go all the way through Friday or Saturday and not experience the things that God has for you. Because you're, it's all about you. You're doing it in your own strength and power. I pray that this coming week, we'll commit ourselves to praying and asking for this empowerment to fulfill his mission for his glory. That's why in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, you know this verse well. It says this in the NIV. It says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. The Living Bible translation says this. And read the yellow section with me 
out loud. It says this, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You will succeed because of my spirit, though you are few and weak. We're going to succeed because of God's spirit. And the contemporary English version, it says this, I'm the Lord all powerful. So come on, say this with me. Don't depend on your own power or strength, but on my spirit. Not trusting in ourselves, depending on ourselves, but in God and God alone. And lastly, the message translation says this. You, come on, say this, can't force these things. Only God, or only, they only come through my spirit, says God of the angel armies. You can't force it. It has to come through the power of God. And whatever you're facing in your life, whatever you're going through, this is the reason why we need prayer. As we think about the mission before us, as you think about some of your friends, your family members who do not know Jesus Christ, no matter how well you live your Christian life, you're not going to change them. You could be the most Christ-like person in the whole world to that person, but without God's power, you're not going to be able to change them. They're not going to be able to see the light. They're not going to be able to profess their need for Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's why Wesley Duell in this book, Touch the World Through Prayer. Uh, if you ever want to read any book on prayer, pick up any books by Wesley Duell. Uh, I read most of them. Powerful, powerful books on prayer will help you to pray. IPT team, go read that book, all right? Praise the Lord. Uh, it will encourage you. So listen to what he says. He says this, prayer is your way. Often the only way to water the harvest. By prayer, you can bring the Holy Spirit's blessing on any gospel effort anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. This is the work of God. How about us this morning? Are you desperate when it comes to prayer? Are you depending on God to fulfill the mission? To reach out to people, to love on them, to serve them? When you think about God's mission and what he's called you to do, are you being equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit or just by your own experience? God will empower his mission. That's why we need to trust in him in prayer. I want to just give us six minutes, just trying to shorten a little bit. And there's one simple question, and this question is this. If you break up into huddle groups, when you have seen God, when have you seen God empower you for something or have, ans or have answered a prayer when you prayed in faith and depended on Him? So just share a time where you felt empowered to do something or when you've seen God answer a prayer and you prayed in faith, you trusted in Him, you depended on Him. Why don't you go ahead and encourage one another and share something that God has done in your life. So we're going to give you six minutes. So if you can just quickly share with one another and we'll bring you all back together and close out with the second point. Hopefully you had a good time sharing with one another. Let's just quickly finish off with the second point. Uh, we've been talking about how when we're surrendered and just allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us uh, anywhere, then we can take this gospel to every single place that he calls us to. And we talked about how we have to be empowered with God's mission. We have to be empowered. 
And then secondly, I want to talk about how God will expand his mission, that God will expand his mission. Let me finish off reading Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And it says this. Let me just go ahead and just read the whole thing from the beginning and then focus on the second half. It says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So after reminding the disciples about being empowered by the Holy Spirit, Jesus clearly gives his all-encompassing mission. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. The word witness has this connotation of a martyr. And the reason why this is important because it appears over 20 times in the book of Acts. And so the word martyr sometimes has a very negative connotation in our society today because of a lot of things going around in the world. But if you think about that word martyr or witness, it's a very important word. And that's why it's used so often in the book of Acts. According to Merriman Webster's Dictionary, the word witness is defined as first a testation of a fact or event. So uh, attesting is kind of like a witnessing or to uh, testifying, if you will, to a, a fact or event. Secondly, one that gives evidence. And third, one who has personal knowledge of something. So when you think about it, when Jesus was saying to go into all these different places because you are my witnesses, you have a personal knowledge. You've experienced these things. It's not just a theory, but it's a personal experience that you've gone through and therefore you can attest to it you can speak on it you could testify to it you could be a witness to it it's like an eyewitness account of what you went through and what you experienced that's what it means to be a witness or a martyr and so here we see that as he says to go to jerusalem judea samaria and to the ends of this earth it's just pretty much giving evidence of what Jesus did and how he lived his life and the resurrection and how their lives have been impacted with the message of the kingdom of God. I think for many of us, we struggle with simply just taking what we've experienced in our lives and sharing that, just testifying to it, or even being able to show personal knowledge of what you've gone through in your life. I'm wondering who are some people that God is calling you to witness to? And a lot of times we think, oh, I don't know all the Bible. Oh, I don't know how to defend my faith and how to explain something. And this is where I want to kind of break some of the myths and the misnomers and those ideas that I think oftentimes Satan uses to shut us down. You're not here, once again, you're not here to try to convince anybody. God is the one who's convincing. God is the one who's working in people's hearts. That's why we got to be empowered. That's why you got to pray. But all you're called to do when we talk about being a witness is you're just sharing what you have experienced. Now, this is the problem. Many of us haven't experienced much. Well, let me take that back. You have, but just as a bystander, just watch it. Some of you go to life group week after week. Some of you watch online or have come to church in the past week after week. Some of you might even do soap, for all I know. 
But because we're wrestling and struggling with so many things, we don't really believe that this gospel message can transform our lives. And this is the reason why we have such a hard time sharing with people around us just to witness, to say, look what God has, look what he has done in my life. And I think this is the reason why we get, we get stuck and we just get comfortable and we don't go beyond. I can't wait until there is a vaccine for COVID-19. I don't know how much it's going to cost, but they're giving some rough estimates about $139 USD for a vaccination. Pretty expensive. But I'll tell you this. If you have found out that there's a cure and one of your family members or maybe just you yourself, you get COVID-19, you will do everything possible to take that vaccine to cure yourself. And when you think about the gospel, and if this is the medicine that kind of offers hope to those who are hopeless, to offer peace to those who don't have peace, to offer love, unconditional love and acceptance to those people who have always been based on performance, if you believe it and you know it, I'm wondering how many of us will have the courage and this confidence as we're empowered by God to just be a witness of it, to share, like, this is real. Look at my life. It's not perfect, but I can say that I have more peace than I did before. I have more love than I had before. I have more hope than I had before. That's why this interesting concept of being God's witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and it's described powerfully all throughout the book of Acts. Let me explain what I mean by that. There is a geographical spread of the gospel. That's why it's about expanding his mission. The geographical spread of the gospel, it says it's first from Jerusalem. And so you will notice as you look at this map, it starts in Jerusalem. And if you look into the book of Acts chapter 1, all the way through Acts chapter 7, it chronicles everything that God was doing in Jerusalem. And then it says from Judea, and you will notice Judea. And so it kind of slowly ripples out. And if you look at chapter 8 and chapter 9 of the book of Acts, a lot of the things that are chronicled are things that happen in Judea powerful. And then it says what? Jerusalem, Judea, and then Samaria. And then you will notice from there, it jumps all the way to the ends of the earth. And this is when you'll see in Acts, Acts chapter 10, all the way through Acts chapter 28. So just think about that. That when God says you will be empowered from on high, clothed with this anointing and equipped for ministry for my mission from on high. And then he says, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of this earth. Literally, his mission is expanding and spreading. Now, I want us to think about this. What does it mean for us? Well, first of all, 
I hope all of you know this is the reason why our church logo is the ripple. Because we believe wherever we are, as the Holy Spirit empowers us, as we experience the gospel, then hopefully we will begin to ripple out. This message of the gospel will ripple out because our lives have been impacted powerfully. That's why every single time you see the ripple, may, you remind, may it remind you of your mission. So what does it mean for us? Well, let's look at Hong Kong. If you think about Hong Kong, this is, this is our Jerusalem. This is the reason why we keep on emphasizing the importance of reaching out to your campus, reaching out to your workplace, reaching out to your neighborhoods, because this is your mission. This is my mission. This is our church's mission. If we cannot reach Hong Kong, we cannot reach other places. He placed us here. This is our Jerusalem. So once again, if you look at this map, you will notice this is Hong Kong, and we will see from here in Hong Kong, what will be our Judea, even our Samaria? As you know, it's about 40-some minutes away, maybe 50 from Central. But it's not that far to, as we even think about a, a city like Shenzhen, which recently I read in an article that it was rated as the number one coolest city in China. I think it's Shanghai or Beijing, but anyway, uh, praise the Lord. Some of you are like, no, it is the coolest, Pastor, because cheap massages and good food and all that. So good for you. But anyway, think about it. Jerusalem, Hong Kong, Judea, Samaria is within this area. If you look at the map again, we'll see then it will go and begin to expand out. And as you know, we've talked a lot about the circle in our church. And then you will see it even further as it goes out. One of the things that we talked about, and those of you who might not be familiar, as you look at this map, is that from Hong Kong, one of the things that God is doing is that he's using the Chinese government to start this thing called the Belt and Road Initiative. And there's a fast production of various roads and railroads that they're making, there's trains, and they're pretty much using the old Silk Road where they used to trade silk. And it's from this road that it's building. If you, go, if you go back to the map, I want you to look at this. You will notice that a lot of these roads, this is a simplified version of it, but a lot of the roads that will lead out of China will go into places in Europe and the Middle East and all over the northern part of Africa. And you'll see this in the news that is happening right now. So why is this important? Because once again, if you look at to the ends of this earth, what you will notice is that God is then branching this further out. This is our mission. This is what God is calling us to do. We've said it many times. Jerusalem, Hong Kong. Judea, Samaria is some of these cities within an hour or so away from us. And then to the ends of this earth. Right now, we're trying to reach within the circle where there's over 53 or 52% of the world's population in that circle. But eventually, we will love to see this gospel spread even further to the Middle East and Europe and other places around the world. Listen to what David Botch said in his book. Uh, as he was quoting Leslie uh, Newbegin, he says this, 
Mission is thereby seen as a movement from God to the world. The church is viewed as an instrument for that mission. There is church because there is mission, not vice versa. So when we do missions, we see community beginning to form and church happens. The phrase ends of the earth is a direct quotation from Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. Listen to what it says. He says, Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob? And let me just pause here. He's, this is through the prophet Isaiah, and he is speaking to the Israelite people and the calling that they had upon their lives. So here's prophet Isaiah speaking on behalf of God. And it says, is it too light of a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the, uh, the preserved of Israel? I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And this is the reference to Israel's mission. Now, Apostle Paul, in the book of Acts, he took that quote, and he applied it to himself. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 13, verse 47 through 48. He says this, For now, or excuse me, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the... He's quoting Isaiah 49, verse 6 here. And then in verse 48, listen to what it says. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. So here's Paul taking that verse in Isaiah, applying it to him to say, I'm going to reach out to the non-Jews. But now for us as followers of Jesus Christ, this is our mission that we follow in the tradition of those who understand that God is a God of redemptive history. He's a covenantal God. And so that we have this command now that we're supposed to be the light to the world. And we're taking this gospel message, the message of salvation, the good news to the ends of this earth. What is the ends of this earth? For some of you, it's going to be different. God will call some of you maybe far away. God might still just call you here, but reaching out to a group of people that no one else is reaching out to. Wherever the ends of the earth is to you, we see here God is saying, this is our mission. This is what we're called to do. And this is the reason why we are so passionate about making disciples. You cannot have a church without disciples. We cannot think about starting another church. We cannot even think about another site if we do not make disciples. Listen to what Neil Cole said in, uh, as he was quoted by Alan Hirsch in his book, The Forgotten Ways. He writes this, if you can't reproduce disciples, you cannot reproduce leaders. If you cannot reproduce leaders, you cannot reproduce churches. If you can't reproduce churches, you'll never see a movement. That's why we are doing everything possible to make disciples. Now, leaders is not so much a position, but it's people of influence. If we could raise up more leaders in our church, then we can see more micro churches all over Hong Kong and to some of these surrounding areas get started everywhere. But we don't have leaders at times because we don't have disciples. And I want to challenge some of us. You are so comfortable living your Christian life in your little bubble 
And this is the reason why God is trying to challenge you to grow. He's putting you through trials. He's putting you through different things. So you're stopping so self-centered and selfish in your own ways. He's breaking you, humbling you, so that you won't be the center of the universe, but God will. And so when you learn how to be a disciple, then you could become more influential as you make a difference. As we raise up these types of leaders, these types of people, then we can then go and send them to other places to do the same thing, replicate it, reproduce it, so that we'll have another community, another life group, another microchurch, another site, another church plant in a whole different country where what we're experiencing here, we can experience in another place. But unless we're experiencing it, and we're being discipled, and we are discipling, and we're raising up leaders and people of influence, then we're not going to be able to do any of these things. That God's mission will expand. He's going to do it. But the question is this. Are you going to join Him? Are you going to join Him? I pray that you will. So the one thing, once again, is that we must be surrendered to go anywhere so that the gospel can be taken everywhere. As I think about this, just think about just being empowered for his mission and God expanding his mission as he uses us. Start here in Hong Kong, ripple out to many different cities around the world. What are some things that we can do? And I'm just going to be very direct and I'm just going to read it off and not spend too much time on it. First of all, tear up your own plans. Rip it up. Some of you will never participate in what God is doing because you are living for your own self. Tear up your own plans and say, God, whatever you want me to do, surrender your life to Him. The second thing is this, talk to God and catch His heart. Some of us are not praying. Talk with God, commune with Him, hear His voice, catch His heart. Some of these things are caught when you spend time with Him. The third thing is this, tackle your fears to move in faith. Many of us don't step out in faith because we are fearful. So tackle it, whatever it is. A lot of it is because you don't trust in him. A lot of it is because you don't believe in the things that he says he could do. The fourth thing is this, take part in the bold vision. We talked about the bold vision. We, we want to build an HMI Institute. We talked about opening up a, a, there's just another site somewhere and then even launching life groups in different campuses and different parts of Hong Kong. And we even talked about the importance of discipleship and how to make more disciples. The fifth thing is this, is team up with others. There is nothing better than to do God's mission with other people. Some of your greatest friendship will be forged out of coming together, teaming up to do a mission. Some of my closest friends, some of the people that I love so dearly, we were, we are, We've been having this friendship for over 30 some years because we teamed up to do his mission. Some of you have such shallow friendships. Some of you are struggling with friendship. It's because you're not focused on greater things. Team up together and to do something great, not only for your friendship, but in your generation. Some of you who are students, your class. I pray that it will be your class that God uses to transform the world. So you got to be surrendered to go anywhere and take this gospel everywhere. And lastly, trust God with your future. Trust God with your future.
because he knows what he's doing for his glory. I want to close with this short video. And in this video, it's a story about a Iranian woman. Those of you who have no clue, there's a revival happening in Iran. I feel like there are things happening right now that we're so unaware of. Even the situation that happened in Lebanon, you know, the big blast. Like stories are coming out. And this is the moment. God is doing something incredible. Not to say he caused it, but he's using bad things for, for his mission and for his glory. And so there's a revival happening in the Middle East and especially in Iran. People are coming to know Christ in such powerful ways. People who have no hope, people who are struggling, people are going through so many different things because they're hearing the gospel message. So I was thinking, in a place that seems so far away, as we're living here in Hong Kong, what would happen if we're surrendered to take this gospel message to every single place that God has called us as we ripple out in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to ends of this earth. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.